we, Dana and I are working hard to keep you up and down where you need to be. Our scripture reading this morning comes from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 26, beginning with the sixth verse. Now while Jesus was at Bethany in the house of Simon the leper, a woman came to him with an alabaster jar of very costly ointment, and she poured it on his head as he sat at the table. But when the disciples saw it, they were angry and said, Why is this waste? For this ointment could have been sold for a large sum and the money given to the poor. But Jesus, aware of this, said to them, Why do you trouble this woman? She has performed a good service for me. For you always have the poor with you, but you will not always have me. By pouring this ointment on my body, she has prepared me for burial. Truly I tell you, whether this good news is proclaimed in the whole world, what she has done will be told in remembrance of her. Then one of the twelve, who was called Judas Iscariot, went to the chief priests and said, What will you give me if I betray him to you? They paid him thirty pieces of silver and said, The word of God to the people of God. Thanks be to God. Morning church, you out there with me? Good. I love to know that you're out there and at least you're awake. Um, thanks for being with us today, whether you're here in the house, whether you're online. But whether you're, this is your first time or this is your 3,472nd time, uh, you are all family here at Good Shepherd, whether you're online or here in the house. And we thank you for being here this morning. Let's take a moment this morning to wave at each other, to let each other know we're here, to uh, uh, let our online folks know that they are a part of who we are. And we ask all of you to comment in the section of the uh, live feed or even shout out here in the house. We love knowing you're here. It's great to be back in worship with you this morning. Thanks to everyone who uh, uh, helped make Good Shepherd run smoothly while I was gone. I really enjoyed my time away for relaxation and renewal. And uh, didn't have to worry about uh, anything happening here while I was away. For those of you who don't know, I'm Pastor Regina, and I'm thankful to spend some time with you this morning. The season of Lent is one of my favorite liturgical seasons. Now, that fact may seem strange since Lent is a season that at times can be dark and depressing. Lent can be uncomfortable as we face those things in our lives that need to change or that needs to be abandoned to deepen our relationship with God. Lent causes us to focus on our mortality, to spend time in self-examination, repentance, and self-denial. We participate in these actions to, to bring us closer to God and to renew our faith and to be reminded that mercy and forgiveness proclaimed in the gospel of Jesus Christ. I don't know what's going on right here, but it squeals by the time I get here. I'm sorry. Now, I'm a half-full glass kind of person. So for me, Lent is a time of renewal. It's a fresh start, a cleansing of the soul. The Lenten season provides a time for us to change direction and to focus on the important aspects of life. Lent is the liturgical, se- liturgical season where, where we can leave behind our distractions of the world, such as Facebook and Twitter. We can give up a simple extravagance of chocolate or Mexican food. We can even take time away from binge-watching our te- favorite television series or mindless time spent on the Internet. We leave behind these diversions to, to focus on relationships with family and friends, to spend time in study and prayer 
to return to healthy eating habits and to, to bring us into a deeper relationship with our Creator. Lent can also be a time of, of taking up a new positive habit, such as more reading time or intentionally doing acts of kindness. Lent's a good time to, to begin an activity that is good for your body, mind, or soul. But the purpose of Lent is to prepare ourselves for the celebration of the resurrection by intentionally taking more time to be with God. Without this time of preparation, Lent loses some of its majesty. We become just, Easter becomes just another holiday to, to gather with friends, to eat too much, and, and to focus on, this, we lose focus of the season's true meaning. Without the season of preparation, we, we miss little things that are essential to the authentic understanding of what the resurrection means and, and how it applies to our own faith. Lent and the progressions of Holy Week, the empty tomb, can become a celebration without the foundation of our faith. Sometimes with Easter, like Christmas, we, we miss those little things. We miss those little things that play important parts in that deeper meaning of Easter. The resurrection happens, and at times we get so caught up in its glory that we forget the events that led up to this resurrection. We fail to see those bit players that played significant roles in, the, in putting into place the events that led up to the climax of our Easter celebration. Now, we began Lent uh, last week with our Ash, Sunday, uh, Ash Wednesday services, and between our noon celebration and our, our 6.30 service, over 75 of us began to take this opportunity to pause, to reflect, and to remember our own mortality, and to commit to entering into a time of Holy Lent as we prepare our hearts and minds for that deeper relationship with God. Now, I've mentioned our Lenten calendars already this morning. And this activity is a simple daily activity to remind us that we are walking on a journey that leads us to a more personal relationship with God. Today we began our Lenten sermon series, and it's entitled On the Road to the Cross. The Lenten season is a, is a journey. It's a journey that takes us along a road that leads to Calvary and ultimately to that empty tomb. But we can't rush this journey. If we are to appreciate the resurrection, we must walk this dirty, difficult road before us during Lent. We must be careful observers of the scenery around us, the people and the events that we encounter. We must listen to those subtle voices that speak for those who cannot or will not and then declare the truths that lay below the surface. On the road to the cross, we'll focus on these bit players in the drama of Easter, these folks in the margins that affect the outcome of the bigger story, but who do not get much press. We will experience the journey to Easter with the individuals who were there, persons who can tell us the story firsthand. Many of these individuals are overlooked just as each of us overlook folks in our daily lives that may play unknown roles in the outcome of us. I once heard it said that we will never look into the face of anyone who is not loved by God. Who are the overlooked individuals that we encounter every day? Often we see folks on corners of our community, on overpasses of, and on intersections who, who are simply asking for handouts. 
difficult to pass any major intersection in the city of Nashville and not see at least one, if not more, individuals who are on the margins of society. They may be on the margins of society by choice or by circumstance. Some are legitimate, and we all know and hear of circumstances where their legitimately, the legitimacy of their operations are questionable. However we feel about their entrepreneurial endeavors, we tend not to see their faces. We don't know their names, and most likely we've not had a conversation with any of these folks. We look the other way. We stare straight ahead. We hurriedly shove a dollar out the window and drive off. We overlook these children of God. Our prison systems house far too many individuals. Some are there because of poor choices. Some because of being in the wrong place at the wrong time. Or for trusting individuals who, do, who did not merit their trust. Others are there because of injustice. Some are there for a short period of time and others will never see the freedom of the outside world. Some of us believe they got what they deserved. We don't pay attention that these folks are working for, at prison jobs for hourly amounts that can barely sustain amounts to purchase what many of us would consider basic necessities. We don't know that the food that they're provided is not plentiful or nutritious. Conditions are not always environmentally warm in the winter or cool in the summer. We overlook these children of God. As a nation, we waste enough food to feed those starving in other countries. Children in our own country go to bed hungry every night while companies toss leftovers in the dumpsters for fear of lawsuits. Individuals experiencing homelessness walk the streets hungry while most of us choose where to eat, what to eat, and we sometimes can't even make a decision because our bellies are still full from the previous meal. We may not see the faces of these individuals, but we probably work alongside these folks every day and do not notice their plight because they have learned to hide their circumstances. We overlook these children of God. We are called as Christians, but also as human beings, to look beyond the surface of the folks that we encounter to look deeper into their situation and to learn the lessons that they can teach us. Today we encounter two people who, who were overlooked in the first century society, the leper and the prostitute. Lepers in the first century were considered unclean and because of their contagious disease. This skin condition was obvious and there were certain rules by which the leper must abide if they were to enter the city. Most of the time they were relegated to areas outside of the city to minimize their contact with other people. If they happened to obtain healing, there were certain procedures that must be followed in order for them to be deemed clean and to reenter society. In today's scripture, the, the scene takes place in the house of Simon the leper. Obviously, he has been healed of his disease and, and is hosting a meal for Jesus and his disciples. Other gospel accounts of this story reveal that Simon is a Pharisee and has invited Jesus to dinner. The woman who appears is apparently an uninvited guest. Some gospel accounts label this woman as a sinner, a woman of the city, to imply her profession. This woman offers Jesus a sacrifice by anointing his head with expensive oil that would act as a ritual preparation 
for the, his burial that was to come. In the, it is the, this woman, overlooked by society, who performed an important task for Jesus that is now remembered as a sacrificial event. At the time, the event was challenged by the disciples. It was belittled by the host. The woman was rebuked. But Jesus, Jesus didn't overlook this kind and sacrificial gesture. He proclaimed it good. In some gospel accounts, he even forgave the woman's sin, not because of the action she took, but because of the love that she showed. While Simon saw the prostitute and was outraged, and the disciples saw the waste of resources, Jesus saw this event from a different perspective. Jesus saw beyond this event and recognized its true significance. The lesson we learn from today's scripture is that no action done in love is insignificant. No action done in love is insignificant. We learn that even the sinful individual can be redeemed and that no matter what disease or malady may affect us, God welcomes us in and elevates us to a position of God's child, not to be overlooked ever again. The following story is, a book, is, is found in the book on the, Road to, on the Road to the Cross. A preacher reached up and, and took an old chair off the hook on the back wall of a carport. He had thought about getting rid of it, but he just couldn't bear to, to toss it out into the dumpster. It was a mute testimony to the chair's incredible ugliness that it had hung on the carport for months and no one took it. Apparently, it wasn't even worth stealing. The chair was a gift from the preacher's grandfather on the day he and his wife moved to California. The chair had sat on the grandfather's front porch for, for more years than could be remembered. It had been painted and repainted every time the, the grandpa had some leftover paint. It was so ugly, the couple didn't even want the chair in their house. It had been suggested to strip the paint off and to refinish the chair. Maybe it was salvageable. If not, maybe just get rid of it. The preacher did decide to, to refinish the chair. He worked all day stripping layers of paint from the, from the chair. He lost count at 11. The last layer was white, and when he finally got down to the wood, the preacher was shocked. The chair was handcrafted solid oak. The natural grain of the wood was gorgeous, and the, but the layers of paint had obscured the beautiful, intricate work. It took the preacher several days to, to complete this project, to sand and to, to scrub the chair with steel wool until it was as smooth as silk and not a speck of paint remained. He re-glued the joints and applied a light oil to restore the luster and then added several coats of clear finish to protect the wood. When he finished, he stepped back and admired this true treasure. Van had been very wrong about this chair. It had been ugly on the outside, but underneath it was all full of the beauty of its maker, just like most people. The chair moved inside that day, and, and it had a prominent place in every house that he owned ever since. And when the man and his, and his wife went to visit the grandfather, he brought a picture of the old chair for it to see, and he asked, where'd you get this chair? And the grandfather replied, I bought it at a church auction, paid 50 cents for it. It's the pulpit chair from the church your mother went to when she was a little girl. 
I figured a preacher needed their own pulpit chair. That was what the grandfather's reply had been. Too many times we place judgment on the people too quickly. We fail to look beyond the layers of pain, self-doubt, circumstance, and ugliness. We neglect to see the beauty that, that lies below the surface and we miss the magnificence of the child of God. This child that was created in love for relationship with God. All persons have significance. It may be difficult for us to see at times. The loveliness may lie so deep below the layers of life. Yet God sees beyond the human eye and God's purpose may may be discovered only after years of neglect. Too often, we overlook the folks we encounter. The folks we encounter on this road to the cross. They will teach us the lessons and answer the questions. Who is it that we're overlooking in our community? Who may be in this very congregation who feels overlooked and neglected? Who among us in our community, our spheres of influence, are hiding in plain sight? As we walk this road together, we will discover that the miracle of Easter belongs to everyone. As Rob Burkhart states, ethnicity, education, wealth, status, and power don't matter. Easter belongs to the ostracized and the sinners, to the self-righteous and the religious, to the disinterested and the disheartened. It belongs to all of us because Jesus loves and welcomes us and welcomes all who come. It doesn't matter whether we come to worship, to question, or to struggle. All are welcome, just like the leper and the prostitute. May we remember this statement as we journey to the road of the cross. All are welcome. As Good Shepherd United Methodist Church, may we build our future, not judging those who would rather, we would rather overlook, but move forward with transparency, inclusion, and authenticity as we walk the road to the cross. One way that, that we have an opportunity to, to just peel everything away and look into the face of God is to come to the meal that is offered to us this morning. This meal is offered to us by Christ, not by the United Methodist Church, not by Good Shepherd, but by Christ himself as he offered to us himself for us. All are invited this morning to partake of this table. And let us pause for a minute, minute as we lift up our roadblocks that keep us from Christ. Let us pray. Holy and awesome God, we know that, that we are a broken and sinful people. We know that the meal that you have given to us is a symbolic act of what you have done for each of us. And we thank you for that forgiveness, Lord. As we come to the table this morning, may we come with open hearts, a willingness to lead a new life, and by your power, leave the table a better person. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
On the night in which Jesus was betrayed, he, he, he had that meal. And, and what we forget sometimes is he had a meal sitting with the person who was going to betray him only moments later. Jesus didn't say, well, I know what you've done, or I know what you're going to do, so you can't eat with me. He actually fed Judas, if you look at, look at the picture and you think about it. So you need to, to know that everyone is welcome at this table. And on that night, Jesus, Jesus stepped out of that, that ritualistic moment that all of those good Jewish individuals sitting at the table were ready for. And he took bread. And he blessed that bread and he broke the bread and he gave it to his disciples and he said, Take, eat. This is my body which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Then when supper was over, he took the cup, gave thanks to God, gave it to his disciples and said, Drink from this, all of you, for this is the blood of the new covenant poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. And so in remembrance of these, your mighty acts in Jesus Christ, we offer ourselves in praise and thanksgiving. We proclaim that mystery of faith that said Christ has died, Christ is risen, Christ will come again. Let us pray. Holy God, we ask that you pour out your spirit on all of us who are gathered here and on these gifts of bread and wine. Make them be for us the body of Christ redeemed by his blood that we may be the body of Christ redeemed and sent into the world to bring others to you. Lord, we just ask that we leave here with thankful hearts knowing that you live within us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. As you come to the table this morning, we will serve by intention. Those who are helping me serve will will take a piece of bread, they'll dip it in the cup, and then the altar is open for prayer. The altar is always open for prayer as we sing that last song. If if you've been touched by something that's said, you know that you just need to have a conversation with God. It's always open for you. If those who are going to assist me in communion today will come forward.
gluten-free options, and if you're not comfortable with intention, we do have single-serving options as well. Come as God calls you to his table.
We've come to the table. We've been fed. Let us go out and feed others. Amen. Amen. Go with God. You're dismissed. So he said, come.